Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton, and I'll be your host for these episodes in the Boulder Dream series for ministerial formation. Today we focus on educator spirituality. For this topic, our guest is Amy J. Catapan. Amy is an author, speaker, and middle school English teacher. In 2020, she finished her doctorate in education, including a dissertation on helping middle schoolers grow in empathy for immigrants through culturally relevant young adult literature. In addition to her fiction writing, Amy has written two books for teachers, Sweet Jesus Is It June Yet, which is already out and focuses on reflecting on the gospel to prevent burnout, and A Saint Squad for Teachers, an overview of several saints whose experience as teachers can be a witness to teachers today, which comes out next year. Her experience, education, and expertise make her the perfect guest for this topic. But as an added bonus, she's also an alumnus of St. Vider High School who had Viatorian teachers as a high school student. To start, I asked Amy how she's experienced high stress and burnout in herself and her peers and where she thinks it comes from. Enjoy the conversation. If you look at the statistics, even when I was an undergrad at Marquette, they were saying 40 to 50% of teachers leave the profession in the first five years. And uh, nowadays, they're saying that it's actually the mid-career teachers, the 10 to 20-year mark, are the ones that are fleeing the profession right now. I think that's a post-pandemic thing that we're seeing going on there. Um, so it's definitely been out there. I know I've had times where I've questioned whether or not God w- wants me to remain in the profession. I had a, a Catholic school principal who uh, basically didn't know I existed or at least didn't know what I taught and kept saying, oh, so-and-so teaches seventh grade religion. And the whole faculty had to be like, no, Amy teaches seventh grade religion. Um, I mean, I ended up with like stomach ulcers. Like I had to go to the doctor. Like that was not a healthy situation. There was another situation years later where I was teaching so many different classes. I had new materials for everything. And I went so far as to go to an open house night at Kendall College in Chicago to consider becoming a pastry chef. Like this is like... This is the kind of stuff that teachers go through. Should I still be here or is God calling me somewhere else? Now, where is it coming from? I came across a really interesting quote when I was working on my doctorate that the key point that keeps teachers in the profession is their ability to feel like they are being effective in the classroom. So if we feel like we're not being effective, maybe um, we're being torn in too many different directions. You know, we're supposed to play nurse and psychiatrist and data analyst and everything else. Um, Or we feel like we're not getting the support we need from administration, that they're micromanaging us instead of helping us be our best selves. If we feel like the parents aren't cooperating with us, if we're being accused of quote unquote, hating their children. um, And it's like, no, I'm trying to work with you for the best of your child. Um, All those other things that make us feel like we're not being effective, I think that's what's causing a major sense of burnout. So if we can keep that sense of we're doing something really good here, we're going to be more likely to stay in the profession. Um, So what would you say is in an educator's heart? What leads someone to pursue the vocation of being an educator? Like what is the vocational Mm -hmm. spirituality that's at the core of a teacher if they really are responding to a call from God and doing something out of service. How would you describe that? If I may, I'm going to read you a little something I came across recently. 
this past year and a half, I've really spent time digging into the lives of the saints who were educators. So I've got a book about saints who are educators coming out in 2024 um, called The Saint Squad for Teachers. And one of the saints who's really been speaking to me is Mother Cabrini, right? So I've got a lot in common with her. Short Italian-American, you know, teacher with, who teaches a lot of immigrant children. And um, we, we have a lot in common. And we're also both big fans of Ignatian spirituality. And in one of the books that I read about her, they talk about her philosophy of, her philosophy of education. And I think this really speaks to what calls us to be teachers. So it says her philosophy of education developed from her own family life, her normal school training, and her extensive and varied life experiences. Her philosophy of education has been referred to as a, quote, pedagogy of love. For Mother Cabrini, all education was to be God-centered. She adopted a holistic approach to education. She did not separate intellectual education from what she termed quote, education of the heart. This was a feel for God in an environment of effective relationships in which education becomes an act of love. And I just thought, wow, that really kind of sums up why I think those of us who are called to be educators enter the profession. We have a love for young people. We want to see them succeed. Um, we want to have this effective relationship, right? We want to have an impact on their lives. We want God to use us, right? Those of us who are Catholic, this is a calling from God, right? We see it that way. And that I think is what calls us into it and keeps us in it is this belief that we're gonna make a difference in the lives of these young people. And God has given us certain talents and gifts for us to use to that purpose. For people who feel that they're called to be educators, how does prayer sustain an educator? Like what are some habits that you would recommend mm -hmm. or is there other places you would point to in your walking with the saints that can help people to explore this vocation and to try to like nourish and sustain their ability to be effective teachers? Yeah, I talk about prayer a lot um, when I do my teacher in service day talks and my teacher retreats. It's hard, I think, as a teacher to try to fit prayer in because we feel like, oh, we have to go and like sit for long periods of time and, and you know, in silence, which is great if you can. Uh, there's a Catholic teacher I follow on Instagram who uh, teaches at a public school, but apparently there's an adoration chapel across the street from her school. And so she will always post on Instagram going on my lunch date. And it's a picture of the adoration chapel oh, wow. across, you know, across the street from her school. So that's how she fits it in, right? She goes across the street, spends time with Jesus in adoration. Well, not all of us have that opportunity, right? And lunch periods sometimes are the quick run to the bathroom, make some photocopies, scarf down some food, right? How do we find time for prayer? So a couple of tips that I give um, when I do my teacher talks is try to find a little time in the morning, even if it's just five minutes. And I had a spiritual director for many years who fought with me about this. She's like, Amy, just get up five minutes earlier. And I was like, you don't understand. I am not a morning person. This is not gonna happen. I'm lucky I'm getting out the door in time. But then I started really feeling like I was getting down during the winters and suffering, I suspected from seasonal affect disorder. Mm -hmm. And so my primary care physician said, well, why don't you try get one of those sun lamps and sitting under one of those? Mm -hmm. And it got bad enough that I, I finally ordered one. And I said, okay, I'm going to sit under the sun lamp and you have to use those in the morning. So I had to get up a little bit earlier to sit under the sun lamp. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, 
I might as well grab my coffee and some Jesus time while I'm at it. So I've made that part of my morning prayer, even if it's just listening to five minutes of worship music, a spiritual song, sacred music, reading a five minute daily devotional kind of book, something like that. That's one way I can fit it in to get my day going. Um, I have for many years prayed the rosary in the car on the way to work because listening to the news in the morning was sometimes just too depressing. So it was not putting me in a good mindset. So I think using your commute time for prayer is a good time too. Praying an examine, um, you know, St. Ignatius's daily examine is a great way, I think, to end the school day as well. Just little little moments here and there, even like the last five minutes of my lunch break. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, I've had my lunch. I've gone to the bathroom. I've, <laughs> I've done my photocopies. Um, I'm going to not check email for the last five minutes. I'm going to go spend a little time in prayer. Looking to the saints, uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, the patron saint of Catholic schools, she was big on uh, partaking in the Eucharist. She was a convert to Catholicism. And one of the things that really drew her was um, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. So taking advantage of um, the opportunities to go to mass when we can, I think are really important. She was also um, very devoted to scripture and really found solace in the book of Psalms. So that might be something people wanna pray with too. Um, Blessed Maria Caridad Brader, who was um, also a teacher, she, like that teacher I talked about on Instagram, she spent a lot of time in adoration and believed in a balance between action and contemplative prayer. So maybe we want to think about, yes, we're obviously very active as teachers, but are we balancing that action with our contemplative prayer? And then, of course, one of my faves, St. Ignatius of Loyola, would tell us, take time away, right? Go on retreats when you can, pray your examines, study the life of Jesus, study the life of the saints. Those are all things that we can do to tap into a spirituality that I think is going to strengthen us. How do you think that cultivating that life of prayer and strengthening a spirituality, hopefully one that's explicitly informed by a vocation as an educator, can you connect the dots between doing that more thoughtfully and then how effective you feel as a teacher in your classroom? Like, can you draw a line mm. from your prayer and spirituality habits to the way that you then like teach and walk with young people? two things pop into my head um, right away. So I just mentioned about praying at the end of lunch for a little bit. My schedule for a good number of years now has been like, you know, back-to-back -back class periods, four in a row, lunch, and then two or three more class periods right away in a row. And it's, a, it's very little time for rest, right? Yeah. So taking those last five minutes and sitting in silence, what I did one year was actually, I have a walk-in closet and I I would hide in my walk-in closet so that no one would come and interrupt me because, you know, other teachers like yeah. to knock it on the door, right? I would go and hide in my walk-in closet and I would take my phone and I had this one YouTube video that was Gregorian chant. And I would just sit and listen to it for five minutes alone in, in the closet. <laughs> and I have to just tell you, when I did that, my afternoon classes went so much more smoothly. Okay than the days when I didn't do that. Like I could feel the change when I didn't do it. And that, so again, it seems like five minutes shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it did. And then this idea of always praying, always having in my head this idea that I'm not alone. So like I'm teaching in a public school. I cannot openly pray in front of my students, but just knowing when I walk into my classroom that I'm not walking in there alone, 
asking the Holy Spirit to come down and help me, asking all my saint friends that I now have this whole like communion of saints who were teachers that I feel like I can call on, you know, when I've got that kid who needs some redirection, there might be a quick St. John Bosco, pray for me, you know, going up in my head because I know he was really good with the age group I teach. You know, his, his thing was those like early teens, tween boys. And they were kids who were known as troublemakers, thieves um, in, the, in the streets of Turin, Italy. And yet he got these kids to follow him. And they saw him as that positive paternal figure that a lot of them didn't have in their lives. And so he's one I'll reach out to and just, you know, say, okay, please help. What do I need to do? Because I got one of these boys and I know you dealt with these boys in the past. What do I need to do? So just feeling like I have that, again, that saint squad behind me and that I can ask for their intercession whenever I need to, I think has helped me feel like I have more strength in the classroom because sometimes, you know, I'll ask for help and suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I know what to say. Oh yeah, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. That idea pops into my head, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to berate this child in front of everyone. I'm going to do what Don Bosco did, which was pull them aside, talk to them quietly in the ear. I, I think he called it the Italian was a parola del orecchio, which is a word at the ear. Like he would like whisper to them almost what to do. Like, hey, this is what you need to do right now. Um, so that I think is really helpful. What would you say to maybe a Catholic high school or a Catholic university student who's maybe toying with the idea that they want to be a teacher after they graduate from college and get into a career? What would you say to maybe be realistic a little bit about what it means to be an educator, but also to share some of the like hope and fulfillment that you found as well? Yeah, I know it's uh, it's a tough decision right now to go into this profession because probably they're seeing on social media so much animosity towards teachers. And as a result, so many teachers complaining on social media, right? There are lots of uh, people out there who, um, you know, they're venting and I get it, right? I get that these educators are venting, but there are also, I think, people out there who are putting positive things out there. So I would look for those teacher accounts and I, I share some of them on my own Instagram, teacher accounts who are sharing the positive stories about the impacts they are making. Um, I would spend time in prayer, obviously ask the Lord, is this what you are calling me to do? I got my call to teach in the middle of mass. Like I had kind of been toying with the idea and it was a Sunday mass and we were singing that good old tune. Here I am Lord. And, and it just like, it hit me. I was like, oh no, you are calling me, aren't you Lord? Like you're calling me to go care for your people and your people in this case is, is your children. And so I would obviously, you know, spend time in prayer, um, asking the Lord if that's what he wants and make sure that you really do enjoy working with kids because that's, that's where it's at in terms of the fulfillment you're going to get out of it. If you don't like working with young people, you're not going to be in the profession, right? We do have so many people who learn, who leave within the first five years because it isn't at all what they expected, right? Being a student in the classroom is very different from being the teacher at the front of the room. And if you're looking at education programs at universities, I would be asking how soon can I get in the classroom and actually teach a lesson? Because I'm afraid there are still too many universities whose colleges of education or schools of education are waiting until the last semester of the senior year to put them into student teaching 
And then they get to the end of their student teaching and go, I don't want to do this. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. How awful they've spent four years getting ready for a profession and then suddenly realizing this isn't it. I mean, I saw it when I was at Marquette. I talked to a, a first-year teacher just uh, two days ago who said, yeah, that's still the case. We didn't get to do student teaching until the end. Now, she's starting her first year and she's hoping for the best, but she said, I really didn't start learning what to do until I got to my student teaching. She said, that's where the real education was happening. It is one of those things where you've got to really want to serve God's people um, by serving his children. And those are the kind of relationships that are going to be rewarding when you've watched the light bulb go on in a kid's head, when you've seen a difference um, in the way that just the way they hold themselves. Like there's a story I tell often in my teacher talks about a boy who was on the spectrum. Um, I'm sure he still is on the spectrum, but when I, when I taught him, he was so downtrodden because he didn't have any friends. He didn't know how to relate to people. And he was always walking around slumped over. And when I finally realized what he needed was somebody to see him and, and to validate him. And I just made it a practice of always saying hi and saying his name. Every time he passed me, I watched as he straightened up, like literally his body, you know, he's walking straight. The, the shoulders were back, the head was up. And then we got to a point where it wasn't me just saying hi first. It was him saying to me, good morning, Dr. Catapan. And, you know, those are the wins that are going to make all the hard days worth it. When you're like, all right, we made a difference here today. The question I've been asking everyone in this series is um, thinking of the Viatorian's commitment to walking with young people. I wonder what advice or insight would you want to give to Viatorians who are actually doing this work of accompaniment and walking with young people and young adults? What would you want them to hear or know from your experience? So there's a, uh, a little joke I sort of make in Sweet Jesus Is It June Yet about when I was on retreat and I was reading through the gospel passage where Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. And this is the beginning of his ministry, right? The sky opens up and a voice from the heavens cries out, you know, this is my beloved son, listen to him, right? And I'm like, wouldn't that be great if like on the first day of school, you know, the principal <laughs> got over the PA and was like, send to her, right? Like how great it would be to have that validation, right? But that, that obviously is not going to happen. And suddenly all the kids feel like they have to listen to us. But at the same time, I think it's important for us to remember we are God's beloved sons and daughters. And he is well pleased with us. We are his beloved sons and daughters. He is pleased with us that we have heeded his call, that we have accepted our role as servant leaders to care for his people. And he is not sending us into the classroom alone. It can feel like we're going into the classrooms, into the schools, into our parish work, you know, wherever we're at. It can feel like we're going in alone, but we're not. Jesus said he would send the advocate with us. We have this whole communion of saints who have worked in education, have worked with young people, They've walked this road before us. And I just try to keep in mind that they're like our cheerleaders in heaven, right? Like we're walking into our schools, we're walking into our classrooms and they're cheering us on going, you got this, we're with you. We've been there before. And I mean, what a blessing to be able to remember that our work with young people is something that we are called to and God is grateful we have answered that call. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Folks who would like to reach out can email Amy at amycatapan at yahoo.com. 
Additionally, her free teacher's resources page, full website, social media handles, YouTube Catholic literature series, and newsletter are all linked in the show notes. Our thanks to Amy for sharing her insights and our prayers for her continued ministry with young people. To learn more about the Viatorians or invite vocational accompaniment, email us at vocations at viatorians.com or DM us on social media at ViatorianUSA. On behalf of Brother Peter and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Jesus.